Seat here, man. God's got something for you. I'm super excited about it. Oh, look, this table just showed up. I didn't see it back here. Um, and I just pray that we would just open our hearts to what God has to say to us this morning. And uh, let's just open up in prayer. God, I thank you so much for those today that are here, for those watching online. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts today. God, I pray that you would awaken the fire in them. God, that you would just arise in them and give them confidence and boldness today. God, I pray that your words would, be, would come out of my lips. God, that I would speak only your words. God, I pray that you would open the ears of the hearers and the, and the, and the hearts to receive today. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to grab something real quick. It's over here. Somebody's smoking. I need to put them out. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, this is a what? Thank you. Pull a pin on this, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> hey, these are fun. You know, a fire extinguisher has a single purpose, right? To extinguish fires. It's not really a clever name. You know, whoever named these, hey, it's a fire extinguisher. Uh, and you can use these to hit people, you know, in the movies and stuff to hit people. But um, fire extinguisher has a single purpose, to put out fires. And now we need to put out fires sometimes because fires can get out of control, right? We need fire. We, we're thankful for fire extinguishers. We're thankful for firefighters because, you know, when things get out of control, they're there to save the day. And, you know, just this week, um, actually two days ago, I was grilling at home. And um, I'm normally a pretty safe griller, but... Um, I took some paper towels out because I was wiping my little uh, black top grill I have with some paper towels and some oil, you know, oiling it down. And then I leave the paper towels to the side over here on the, on, on the side of the grill, thinking that they'd be okay. I mean, it was far away from the fire, no big deal. And so I was just going to run in the house for just a couple seconds and come right back. But I get in there, and my dogs start going crazy, and so I'm trying to figure out what they're, what they're all upset about, what's going on with them. And then I'm looking for the seasonings to season the food I was going to put on there. And I'm glad I wasn't gone much longer because I come outside and those paper towels are now blazing fire, like kicking up. I didn't know paper towels burned so hot. It was crazy. Like, and it was flapping in the wind, you know, because they were kind of open. And I'm like, oh, my car's right there next to the grill. The gas can for the mower is like 10 feet away from there. It, and I grill right in front of my garage, so it's a horrible place for a fire to happen. And so quickly thinking, I don't have a fire extinguisher at home. I probably need to buy one. Um, but I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So I just grab the paper towel, start flailing them around, trying to put the fire out, right? Because, you know, I don't want to burn down the house because um, that would not be good. And so I put that fire out, and I was so glad that um, it didn't get worse than it was. I was like, thank God I didn't take more time in the house, you know, because that would have been really, really bad. I know that God was probably telling me to get out there, and so I'm thankful for that. So these fires do happen in our lives, you know. We don't mean for them to happen. You know, maybe we just do things like leave paper towels too close to a flame, and they happen, and when those things do, we need to put those things out because they're not bad. But not every fire that is lit needs to be put out, needs to be extinguished. Some fires are useful. A lot of fires are useful. But there always seems to be someone or something that wants to put out that fire. It's like as soon as God does something 
in our lives. As soon as we, we experience a move of God, as soon as uh, we a passion stirs up in us for a passion of God, there always seems to be someone or something, it's normally someone, who is a self-appointed firefighter that walks around with a fire extinguisher trying to put out what God's doing in our life, right? And this is what it sounds like when they're trying to put out the things of life because it's not always like, uh, it's, it's not always a hard, it's not always harsh. Sometimes it's very gentle. Sometimes it's very subtle. It's not always like super easy to tell, but this is what it sounds like. It's usually uh, some kind of negativity, right? Man, when God does something in your life, there's always somebody or something that comes against us with this negative talk or this negative attitude. There's always negativity. You'll be so pumped up for what God's done in your life. Maybe you went to a conference and, man, God did something in that conference. Maybe you went to a service and, man, God spoke to you and he told you uh, and just relit that fire and that passion for what he's asked you to do. Maybe, uh, you know, for a lot of us, uh, we, we try to rekindle that relationship with our spouse or, or try to get back on fire in our career path for God, and then immediately something is there to speak negativity over it, or someone is there to speak negativity over it. And these are the words that's, that, that's, that they say. Oh, really? Hmm. How are you going to do that? And they, they don't mean anything harmed by it, but they're just, they're not sure about it. It's like, man, oh, you gave your life to Jesus? Really? Tell me about that. I remember when I was called to ministry, and I was so excited. I told my, my family, not my immediate family, but my extended family, that, man, I'm, I'm leaving my corporate, I'm, I'm leaving the job I've been with for 17 years, and I'm going into ministry, and I don't have a plan, but I know that God's called me. You know, to all, all of them, it sounded crazy, and, and rightly so, that was crazy. I mean, who gives up a job they've been with for, you know, 17 years, going on 20 years, has a, has a pretty good stable job and just leaves all that to get into ministry where there's no money and no time off and no benefits, you know. And, and they're like, um, oh, that's, that's great, Neil. <laughs> and, and, they did, and they didn't mean anything by it, but it was that automatic negativity, man. I, I just felt strong that, man, God wanted me to do something. God put this fire in my heart to do in ministry and then immediate resistance, immediate opposition, and I'll tell you, so many times in our lives, that's what happens. God speaks something into your life. God does a miracle in your moment. And then there's immediate opposition. There's immediate resistance. And I want to tell you today, that's normal. That's normal. That's, that's something that happens because we have an enemy. And that enemy hates to lose ground. And when God speaks life into you, when God does a miracle in your moment, when God uh, just transforms your life and puts a passion in your heart, he comes in immediately and tries to take it out. Man, his response time is amazing. You know, our, our fire department, they're pretty good. But man, it's, it's Satan is immediate when he comes in and tries to put out what God's done in our life. And he'll do that through the form of people, through circumstances, even our own negative thinking. He'll come in and start speaking lies and start speaking untruths, trying to put out the fire that God has put in our heart. He walks around with a fire extinguisher and tries to put out the things of God. But I'm telling you today, even when, 
The enemy comes running in, even when people come running in, even when our negative thoughts come running in, trying to put out our fire, we have an answer and we have something that we can do to combat those people trying to put the fire out in our life. We can do something. And I want to open some scripture up to you today. And we're going to be in two, really, two passages of scripture today. And it is going to be Acts chapter 3. And then also, um, sorry, this thing is driving me crazy. One day I'll get a good one. Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to be in Jeremiah 20 and Acts chapter 3. And so we're going to talk about this story in Acts 3. I love this story in Acts 3. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story about two apostles, John and Peter. John and Peter are about to go into the temple and tell people about Jesus Christ. And this story happens like this. Acts chapter 3, go throw up on the screen, we'll read it together. It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. We need a 3 o'clock prayer service, all right? Y'all going to be here? And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And so Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, hey, look at us. And so the layman thought, looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold for you. What a letdown. But he says, I have something else, something better than money. Something money can't buy, something that will, that will last, something that will not deteriorate, something that you need. I'll give you what, you, what I have. Peter and John say, I'm going to give you what I have. And it's not money, it's a person. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Get up and walk. He says, I'm going to give you Jesus today. And so the next passage in verse 12 says this. Yeah, verse, yeah, there we go. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Oh, sorry, he went back. My bad. Just like, just shake your head at me back there at the sound booth. Like, oh, you know what you're talking about, Pastor. Just, just leave it up there. Okay, there we go. So Peter, this is what happened. So Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood up to his feet, and began to walk. And then walking... I love this. So he's lame, so he gets up and he walks, and he goes from walking to leaping and praising God. He went to the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God, and when they realized, hey, this is the lame guy that's been there for years. Now he's up jumping around. That's crazy. And he says, they realized that he was a lame beggar, and they'd seen often in the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded and they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So this miracle just happened. This, this great miracle happens. This man that was lame jumps up. He's walking. He's dancing around. He's praising God saying, yes, Jesus, you healed me. I'm walking around. I've been lame all my life. And now I have strength in my legs and nothing's stopping me from walking into the temple. I can imagine that lame man sitting outside the temple wanting to go into the presence of God for so long, walking into the temple to be part of his people's worship. But because he was lame, he couldn't go in there. 
broken, made whole, he can walk into the very presence of God. That's a beautiful picture for us. Man, we are broken. We shouldn't be allowed in the presence of God, but because of Jesus, because his work in our lives, we can walk into the presence of God. Man, that's good. That's so good. I'm going to put that in my next sermon that I write on this because it wasn't in this one. And so the very next passage says this, opportunity and address the crowd. So this miracle has happened. This man has hollering. He's Anytime God opens the uh, for him, it opens another opportunity for something bigger to happen, a bigger miracle to happen. Now, this guy being lame and, got, and getting up, that is a huge miracle. That is amazing and miraculous. But God used that to open a door to a bigger miracle, and that is for Peter and John to be able to speak the gospel into these people's lives and them to accept Jesus. And so this is what happens. He sees the opportunity. And he walks into that opportunity, and he starts to speak the gospel, and he says this, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this, and why do you stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors who have brought glory to his servants, Jesus, by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded that the, that the release of a murderer, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. That's the gospel. Jesus died and he was raised to life. And these apostles, these first church, that was their message, very simple. That you killed him, he came back to life because he is the author of life and we have life through him. And so he's, mm, man, that's good. He keeps saying, he says, you killed him, now listen to what I'm having to say. And so this, he says, through, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Not anything I did, but because of the name of Jesus, he was healed. And you know how crippled he was before, but faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Jesus is not dead. He's still alive. His power is still available. It's still working. It's still active. God's still doing a miracle. Now listen to what I say because you need to come to Christ. Next passage. And then, I love, this, is, this is when the fire extinguishers come in. So this miracle happens. He's addressing these crowds, all these thousands of people around Peter and John, and he's telling them about the gospel. And then immediately this happens. While Peter and John, we're speaking to the people, like, jeering, okay, while. Like, he's, he's talking to these people about Jesus, and then these guys come in and interrupt with, flame, with fire extinguishers. And, and, and they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed. How dare Peter and Jesus, or John, that they were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They didn't like that. So what they did, they arrested them. 
And they threw them in jail because it was late at night. And so they, they put them in jail in the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed. So the number of men who believed now totaled 5,000 people. Now that's a miracle. The man getting up and walking, that's a miracle. But 5,000 people giving their life to Jesus, that is a miracle. That is why Jesus died. That is why Jesus rose again. So that we will call on the name of Jesus and by faith receive. And I find it funny that these firefighters came in when, you know, something just happened. A miracle just happened. This man that was lame gets up, he walks, he's praising God. 5,000 people just gave their, their lives to Jesus. And they come in. They don't like what God's doing. They don't like what God just started because God just started a fire in that temple. And so they come in and they're hosing down the place, putting it out. They grab Peter, they grab John, they throw him in jail, and like, we can't let this fire get out of control. We got to control this fire. We got to do something about this. And so Peter and John are sitting in jail, and you think that they would be sad about it, like many of us. Man, God just did something amazing in our life. We've met resistance, we've met opposition, we feel like God gave us some breakthrough, and now there's this trouble. There's this thing that's come up against us and we don't know what to do. So you think they'd be sitting in jail feeling sorry for themselves saying, God, this is what I get for serving you. See, I try to do the right thing. Every time I try to do the right thing, you, you hear people like that. I hear people like that sometimes because I'm one of those people. Every time I try to do the right thing, this happens. God, I'm trying to serve you and man, it's just resistance, opposition. I don't understand it. And I think so often we as believers think that our life should be easier when we serve God. But I'm telling you, if you serve God faithfully and you serve him the way that he wants you to serve him, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have resistance. Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world. But he also gives us a promise. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Just because you're, you have opposition, just because you have resistance, just because there's somebody trying to put out your fire, doesn't mean that God's not there. It doesn't mean that God's not going to be with you. And I love what happens. I love the response of Peter and John. Instead of getting upset, instead of getting sad, instead of letting those men and, and, and the Sanhedrin and all of those people put out their fire, I can imagine that whole night they were praying. It doesn't say it. But as you'll see later in the passage, they were praying people. And in the morning they get up to stand up in front of all these elders, and this is what happens. Next passage. The next day, the council and the rulers and the elders, teachers of the religious law, met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. <gasps> Annas. I don't know who Annas is, but he's a high priest. Caiaphas, the leader. John, Alexander, other relatives of the high priest. All these big-name people, they brought out the big guns, all right, because they're going to silence these stupid fishermen once and for all. How dare you speak the name of Jesus? We killed him on the cross. We knew he was, we know we killed him. How dare you say that he's alive? And then they, they planned to silence him. So they played his power play. And they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or whose name have you done this? And then Peter, I love this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? I'm going to tell you how he was healed. This is how he was healed. Listen to me. Let me 
be, let me clearly state to you all and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. So let me make it plain to you, okay, priests and, and, and religious leaders. This is what happened. I love it. They bring Peter and John into that place to put him on, them on trial, but Peter ends up putting these guys on trial. It's an amazing flip. And he says this, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, but for Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Next passage. And then there is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's the gospel. Paul gets up. I mean, Peter gets up, not Paul. Peter gets up. And he tells them the gospel. Look, you killed Jesus, but God raised from the dead. It was his plan all along. And there was no other name under heaven and earth which you may be saved. And I, I just want you to know today, if you're here in this building, if you're watching online, there is no other name under heaven and earth which you can be saved, only through the name of Jesus Christ. He will make you whole, he will heal you, and you will be able to walk into the presence of God, just like that lame man. And he says this, and so the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. These are just fishermen. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. There's something in that. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. All right, what do we do now? Here's this man that was lame. He's standing up. He's dancing. He's praising God. What do we do with that? Here's these two men declaring that Jesus is raised from the dead and that the resurrection from the dead is possible. Here's 5,000 people saying they're going to follow Jesus now. What do we do with that? Our fire extinguisher is not working. Call in the truck, right? What do we do? And so this is what happens. They can't deny it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said, okay, no problem. We'll never do that again. Sorry. No, this is what happens. I love it. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Man, that's bold. We cannot stop telling everyone about what we've seen and heard. I know what I've seen. I know what I've heard. I know what happened. I can't deny it. And for us as believers, that's what we stand on. I mean, I know what Christ has done in my life. That's our testimony. I can't deny it. Who am I going to be afraid of? I'm going to be afraid of man or I'm going to be afraid of God. Who do I fear? And when somebody comes at you trying to put out your fire, that's where we should stand. I'm going to let you put me out. I stand for God. God has placed something in me. I know he's placed something in me. I have confidence and boldness in that. And then the council then threatened them further. Well, you're going to have to be quiet. <laughs> but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. And so they leave. They go back to their friends. 
They meet them, and this is what happens. As soon as they're free, Peter and John return to the believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Hey, we can't ever speak the name of Jesus again in there. What do we do about this? I love how they respond. And for us, this is the response we need to have every single time. If somebody comes at us, or a circumstance comes at us, or something comes at us and tries to put out our fire, tries to extinguish what God has done, this should be our response. Right here. They prayed. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. They prayed. September 13th. We're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the challenge for us as a church for that 21 days is to pray at least one time a day and to fast at least one meal a day. And some of you may be like, I've never fasted a meal. Well, you get to pick. Now, if you have a dietary issue where you cannot, like you have to eat or it'll be bad for you, I understand that. But maybe ask God what you can get rid of. But fasting has to do with food. And when you go without food for a while, it reminds you that you need something. Your hunger should be for God, not for food. And so that's why we fast. And so in September 13th, when we start this, this 21 days of fasting and prayer, I pray that we all do it. And we're going to open this building up at 6 in the morning for the whole 21 days until 7. If you want to come and pray during that time, we're going to welcome you. We're going to give you some prayer. Uh, so we're going to give you some prayer sheets and some prayer uh, catalog booklets to help you guide you in prayer. Because some of us just know how to pray. We don't know what to pray, and so these will help you. We're going to seek God for these last 21 days, because after that 21 days, we have 90 days left until 2021. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2020 to be over with. But I think we can finish strong if we just get on our face and we pray for 21 days. And so I pray we all take that challenge and we all move forward on that day. And I pray you here on the 13th because it's going to be an awesome service. We're installing some deacons and we've got some other stuff going on that day. It's going to be a big, huge, awesome day. And so can't wait to share that with you. We're also uh, going to give you an opportunity to support our biker campus, our biker church that, that we're kicking off here and launching. Um, and so super good big day, but we need to pray. We need to pray. Go throw that passage back up. And so they prayed, and this is their prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago through the Holy Spirit, through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time in futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, Lord, so they're, they're reminding themselves what happened. Like, we knew we'd have opposition. We knew we would come up against resistance. These people killed Jesus, but it was part of God's plan. And since it's part of his plan, 
then you're giving us boldness and courage to do what we've asked. And this is their prayer, and I pray this is our prayer. Oh, Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after this, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. This word boldness that they prayed for in the Greek is parousia. It means to walk, it means to walk in confidence. It means to, to speak unhindered. It's, it's a freedom of speech. And so when they prayed for boldness, they're saying, God, open our lips to speak it even more. God, give us confidence. Give us boldness. Give us strength. God, let us walk into that temple and not be afraid. When we go in there, God, you do more miracles. Give us more opportunities to speak this gospel. And that should be our prayer when we come up against opposition, when we come up against resistance, when somebody's trying to spray us down, we should say, God, you, get, you do even more. God, give me more boldness. Give me more determination. Give me more freedom, God. Don't let them put my fire out. Let my fire be stronger than that extinguisher. That cannot be quenched. That cannot be put out. When you pray and you seek God's face, that fire will never go out. You have to stay in God because he is the source of our fire. So often we just allow things, the enemy, to put it out. And I'm telling you, we need to be like these disciples. We need to be like these apostles, and we need to pray. God, you put the fire out. When there's opposition, when there's resistance, that's an opportunity for us to meet with God. I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm being opposed, when I'm meeting resistance, when life's really a struggle, when life's hard, it draws me closer to my Father. Like, it makes me naturally come to Him. And, and when I naturally come to the Father and I naturally draw my strength in Him and I pray and I get in His presence and I seek His face and I read His Word and I worship, it starts to stoke that fire back out. And some of you have been hosed down, to be honest. Some of you have had somebody or something kind of spray you and put you out. But I'm telling you, if you get back in the presence of God... That fire will rekindle and it will relight and it will reignite and he'll put a confidence in you, a boldness in you, and a strength in you that was never there before and you can walk boldly and confidently in Jesus. And I pray that you can do that. I pray that we will not be silenced. I pray that we will not let the enemy come in and take us out. We need to have the same attitude like these disciples. You know what? You can beat me up. You can lock me up. You can tell me to shut up. But I'm going to look up. I'm going to pray up. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to speak up. Because I know what God's done in my life. I know what I've seen. I know what I've heard. I know my miracle working God. I know that he's the way maker. And there's no other way to heaven. And you're not going to silence me. The enemy's not going to silence me. Nothing is going to put out this passion in me for what God has done. I'm going to serve him with all of my heart and all of my being. And I pray we all have that same faith to do that, like these disciples. I can get the worship team to start coming up. 
earlier in this message, I asked you to turn to Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah 20 is about a prophet. Well, it's about the people of Israel, but Jeremiah was a prophet that nobody liked. Everybody hated Jeremiah because Jeremiah told it how it was. He was like the guy that would come into a room and tell you the truth, even when nobody else wanted to hear the truth. You do my Bible drill here. I didn't mark it. Okay, lesser prophets, bigger prophets. There it is. Jeremiah chapter 20. Start in verse 7. That's where we're going to be. So Jeremiah, if you read in this story, um, the king has tried to put him out. Actually, the, the high priest has tried to put out Jeremiah. Hmm, just like Peter and John. Like they walked in, a miracle happened. The high priest comes in, tries to silence him, tries to put out that fire. And so um, the high priest at the time, Peshur, I'm probably saying that wrong, tried to put out Jeremiah's fire, tried to shut him up. Nobody likes you, Jeremiah. You just come in here and tell people that things aren't going to be good. And the king asks if we're going to be okay or not. And all these other prophets are saying, yeah, we're going to be good, king. You go to battle. You do whatever you need to do. We're good. But you come in and say, king, I'm telling you, it's going to be bad for you. Nobody likes you. So he he beats him up. He puts him in chains. He throws him in the streets to be ridiculed and mocked. And Jeremiah is sitting there in shackles and chains, bonded and bondage and this is his reply in verse 7 oh lord you misled me you, you misled me and i allowed myself to be misled but you're stronger than i am and you overpowered me now i'm mocked every day everyone laughs at me when i speak the words burst out violence and destruction I shout, so these messages from the Lord have been made me a household joke. Lord, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do what you told me to do. Lord, you tell me to say these things. You tell me to do these things. But God, everybody's making fun of me. I'm a household joke. Nobody takes me seriously, God. But you chose me. You overpowered me. You led me into this ministry. Why am I meeting all this resistance? Why am I meeting all this oppression? And then he says, he thinks about it, even though, even though people make fun of me, even though they think I'm a joke, if I say nothing, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his words burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Nothing is going to put my fire out when they push, but do they try to put me out? God, I just want to burn all the strong. And I pray we can be like Jeremiah and say, man, when the enemy tries to take us out, we just burn all the brighter. We rise up and we get a boldness about us like Jeremiah. And then he says this, I have heard that many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, Jeremiah, we're going to report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for my fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and when they win, and, and then we will get our revenge on him. This Jeremiah that always speaks the truth. But then, this is where he gets his confidence. This is where he gets his boldness. 
This is where the apostles, this is where the disciples who are praying in the room, where they're on their knees and they're praying for more boldness, more confidence, more freedom. This is how they know that they could do it because it wasn't about them, it was about who was with them. And, he, and Jeremiah says this, but the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Scripture says every weapon formed against you will not prosper. It doesn't say there's not going to be any weapons formed against you. But it does say that they will not prosper. It doesn't say that there's not going to be somebody running up with you trying to put you out. But it does say that you can fight it. That you can ask for more boldness, more confidence, more strength, more power, more fire, more passion. You can rise up and be used by God. And I pray that we can do that as his people today. Do you want to be used by God? Have you let something or somebody put you out today? I want to pray that you can rise up and allow the Spirit to stir up that fire in you and to be used by God today. Man, maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting in here. Maybe you're watching online. And, and, and you, this is the first time you've heard the name of Jesus. And you're wondering what's going on. And I'm telling you, Jesus today wants to touch your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to mend your brokenness. He wants to let you come into the presence in the throne room of the Father. You are clean and made righteous through Jesus. There is no other name under heaven and earth that which you may be saved except for Jesus. That is the name. Through the name of Jesus, you are healed. Please stand Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe today you, somebody's put you out. Something has put you out. The fire you used to have is gone. It's dwindled. It's shrunk. There's no passion left in your heart for the things of God. Maybe God stirred something in your heart long ago. He gave you a purpose. He told you a vision and you've given up on it. You've allowed negativity and you've allowed the enemy to come in and put that fire out. I want to tell you today, pray. Pray. Get back in touch with the Spirit of God. Allow Him to speak to you. Allow Him to kindle that fire. Realize that He is the way maker, miracle worker. That He's your God. That's who He is. God is making a way where there seems no way. God is bringing that fire back to life. He's bringing that passion back to life. Things that were dead and gone, God is reviving and resurrecting right now in your life. Even though you can't see it, even though you don't recognize it, God is moving in your life. He's moving in what you're doing. God has a plan for you.